Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 614. Science Faction, the dark triad and uncounted suicides. The dark triad sounds like, yeah, that's right. I've had sex at a funeral. I've had sex at a, at a coming out party. And I've had sex at a, uh, a bar mitzvah. That's, that's the dark triad. I was going to go, it sounds like an unlikely alliance between like the Crips and the Asian gangs. Like that, that was the Wu-Tang Clan. I'm pretty sure that was the Wu-Tang Clan. I'm not a rapologist, but... But. Yeah, you did fail out of that PhD program. <laughs> or it's like the lawyer. I, I didn't pass whatever the bar is to become a. Uh, I, I finished all the schooling, but I missed the uh, the uh, uh, to to become a gangster rapologist. I had to pass the California bar, and I failed. There are too many uh, gangster rapologists in California. I think that's the problem. If I were to take the bar in, uh-huh. I don't know, New Hampshire, there are very fewer, few gangster rapologists right. in New Hampshire. I could have right, done pretty well right, there. Right, right, right. You can just use the pseudonym we all know your racist ass is thinking when you say gangster rapologists. We all know you're talking about Jewish people. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Rabbi Shmuley. Yeah, it's a little too on the nose to, uh, to focus on Rabbi Shmuley when we're talking about... A gangster well, rapologist. at least you uh, saved your anti-Semitism until Pride Week. Because I'm proud of what I'm good at. And that's anti-Semitism, Bobby. And speaking of being proud of what you're good at, I, of course, am your host, comedian archaeologist Robert Timothy. With me, as always, is my comedian, Mr. Damien Mercado. Damien, how are you doing this afternoon? I am doing great. And I also am proud of having a small penis. I don't know if I'm good at owning it. I don't wash it very often, so probably I'm bad at yes. owning it. But <laughs> it's on very filthy. <laughs> Oh, the odor. <laughs> and I've got a bunch of, like, back tickets for it, too. Like, I just haven't paid those off. <laughs> I, I saw, uh, I, uh, yeah, you know, I came out to my penis after work, and it was loaded with tickets again. <laughs> Sometimes I put a fake ticket on there just to hope to not get more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. It's a street sweeping day. Who gives a fuck about that? Dear and Damien, uh, I've I heard a rumor that I actually made an appearance on your most recent podcast. Yes, uh, fans of the show, uh, we, as you, some of you may know, I do a Dungeons and Dragons podcast called Awful Neutral. But we recently started a live stream uh, where we are playing a different campaign, and uh, I'm not going to bore you with all the details. But we had our very first episode on mm-hmm. Sunday. And Robert Timothy was a part of it. Meaning that another comedian who knows how much I hate this shit has decided to play under the pseudonym Robert Timothy in order to help anger me or I don't know. He did not. No, 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 no. This you, you, you did this to yourself. He did not do it to spite you because he knew you hate Dungeons and Dragons. He did it because of Coco. Did it, yeah, he did it because you ruined Coco the gorilla for him. This yes. show ruined Coco the gorilla for him. And the fact that Coco, the sign language gorilla, was not, in fact, a gorilla that knew sign language. She was a chip. You told, <laughs> yes, uh, you told our good friend Michael Castleberry this and he has never forgiven you 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 stole a little magic from this world from him he brings it up regularly about how much it angers him and how pissed he is that i i uh i showed where the wizard was hiding so just pulled the screen back 
<laughs> yeah, I don't get why he's mad at you for that. I mean, like, I'm not mad at the kid who said Santa Claus wasn't real in school, but whatever. That's not a you know, let's. <laughs> Okay, so so knowing that, uh, but he yes. did it for this reason. So, but but here's the reason he picked Robert Timothy was because uh, we were playing a one shot horror game about a haunted house, right? And if you guys have ever played the Call of Cthulhu game, it's basically like a two hour horror movie where most of the cast, if not all of them, dies by the end. And the premise of this was. Uh, it was a ghost hunting show. I was like, "Hey, everybody! It's a ghost hunting show. So, what is your what is your role in the ghost hunting show?" You know, our good friend Bijan Mustafavi uh, was Dog the Ghost Hunter, which I thought was a really cool twist on that. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, he he wore a mullet during the recording and everything. But uh, Michael Castleberry, who again hates Bobby for stealing magic from the world, yep, yep, said, "I'm going to be the douchey science skeptic." And I didn't get where he was going with this at first. And I was like, "Okay, what's your character's name?" He goes. I'm Robert Timothy, and I'm from the podcast Faction Science, and I have six listeners. And I was like, whoa, we have 12 listeners. <laughs> but the best part was, was that he stuck to this super well. There were so many times, like, your character could have theater of the mind. Ghosts were, mm-hmm. were, were happening. And your character sure. was like, no, it was Swamp Gas. No. <laughs> I just shat on everything everybody said, and he was such a wet blanket for this. He, which again, Bobby goes out and brings science. I don't like Bobby, but Bobby goes out and does his best <laughs> to bring science to everybody. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? I wish Bobby was here to listen to this to this take on the Robert Timothy. <laughs> Thankfully, I'll never have to because I, like you guys, should will never. Listen to a D and D podcast. Well, well, let me ruin it to you for you. At the end, he does uh, when uh, when I think he he thinks he's about to die, uh, and like you know, uh, some undeniable ghostly murder figures in front of him. He goes, "I have a confession to make. I, Robert Timothy, believe in ghosts this whole time. I'm actually a shill for the science industrial complex, and I am paid <laughs> big science. <laughs> yes, you're paid by big science. Uh, and that dude. was uh, that was uh, I think I think how Robert Timothy's life ended." Uh, in this alternate universe. Well, it's I, I would rather die than be that person, so it makes sense. All right. Uh, <laughs> thank you, audience, for coming to join us for Science Faction 614. You can post, check out our Patreon, where you get a whole other episode every single week. Sorry we couldn't put out a uh, regular episode last week, so you all got a little bit of a taste of our weekly Patreon from there. And hopefully you guys can, now will understand what I'm talking about and how frustrated I am about Damien's insistence on not trying and I call BS. Uh, Alex Jones will never leave the Patreon shoutouts. He is a much a part of this Patreon shoutouts as our Patreons. Uh, For now, let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is science articles. I'm the only leverage Damien has over Bobby. All right, I'm... (laughs) I'm not saying, I'm the only hope we have of, of, of defunding the police. About defunding the police, I mean, making I call BS a fair and equitable game. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of built-in uh, redlining that's in uh, uh, I call BS. Hell yeah, redline this thing like a like a high performance indie car. <laughs> okay, let's try it this way. Uh, there are segregated water fountains. <laughs> there one fountain's for Damien, and it is a lesser fountain, and one fountain is for Bobby. I'm not allowed to sit at Bobby's lunch counter as well. That is also a thing. Well, only in some states. All right, article number one. (laughs) Brightening a dark personality, how to fix psychopaths. Is it offer him a Mentos? 
It's offering a Mentos, isn't it? In the old commercials, would that fix psychopathology? That or it just would remind them to put their psycho face on. Like, oh, I just pushed that old woman down the subway stairs. Mentos. I mean, if you were to think about a commercial from the 90s that would maybe inspire sociopaths, I would actually go with Klondike Bar because the whole proposition is, what would you do for this Klondike Bar? And for a lot of people, that answer is murder. Uh, I don't even like Klondike Bars that much, but I'd murder. I'd murder for one. (laughs) I'm not a big mint guy. So this study looked at uh, whether or not you could kind of push people who existed pretty far on the spectrum of the dark triad, which we'll get to in a second, push them so they weren't so far on that, that spectrum. So that spectrum is usually broken up into three traits, hence the triad part. One is narcissism, which we've talked about. We're talking about the clinical definition, not the colloquial one. Psychopathology, which, as we've talked about on this show, doesn't actually have a clinical definition according to the DSM, but you can say antisocial personality disorder. And Machiavellianism, which is basically like being manipulative and cunning and whatever to get what you want by tricking people. So our, our 45th president would have fit in this a lot of ways, except for Machiavellian. I don't know that he, he thought at that level, but so he's not a psychopath? Machiavellianism, he would definitely fit in. I don't think he would fit into a psychopath group at all, because I think... Sad. I, I think there's way too much implicit narcissism in there to be to be in that group. Because Isn't that just, part of the triad? Narcissism? Yes, but those are different things, though. Like, so what I what, what we're saying is what you see displayed that that care for what everybody thinks, the need to make sure like people think he fucking won an election, he didn't win, like all of that stuff. I went to is not a Wharton business. More indicative of a, of a clinical narcissist. But all of these have connections to what we call in psychology cluster B disorders, which we've talked about on the show a bunch. A few weeks ago, we talked about just how damaging cluster B disorders are to our society, how they make up a huge percentage, something like 80% of violent criminals in jail, a huge percentage of child sex offenders, even more so than pedophiles themselves. As we reviewed, most child molesters are not pedophiles and most pedophiles are not child molesters. It's just that psychopaths and sociopaths who look for victims, especially sadistic ones, can more easily control children, so they're not necessarily sexually preferential towards kids. They just want to hurt somebody and they're easier. These are the narcissists that cause huge problems in our society. These are the people who, even if they're not causing crime or criminal issues, they are that horrible, disgusting person in the office who takes pleasure in getting other people fired or ruining other people's days. Like, this is... These are the people that protect the last two heterosexual frogs during Pride Month (laughs) with my powers. You, You could really boil down a lot of society's major problems. Obviously, there's going to be small problems no matter what. Major problems to individuals with cluster B personality disorders that make up a tiny percentage of the population and a huge percentage of our overall issues. Uh, Not that I I really rated on that, and it's kind of, you know, uh, not really a science thing, but uh, it's been in the news a lot. Amber Heard was accused of having cluster B personality disorder. Yeah, very much fits with what was presented, at least. So people who have all three of these uh, uh, these dark triad personality issues. Poop the bed issues and- with a Pirates of the Caribbean cast member. <laughs> well, so something to remember is everybody displays some amount of each of these, and it's kind of on a spectrum as to how bad they can get. But on the far end of the spectrum, these really are dangerous people. Even those who aren't committing you know, crimes, again, are making the lives of everybody around them horrible. Like, I'm going to say this just flat out. 
If we just killed every single person with a cluster B personality disorder, the world would be amazing almost instantaneously. I mean, it, this is, these people rarely contribute to anything. They frequently have parasitic personalities. I contributed the truth about Sandy Hook and I'm being prosecuted for it. There's very little good that comes from them and a ton of bad. Like this is really the Honda Civic driving down the road, towing behind it a boat anchor. And you're like, well, if we just clip this anchor, this car would go from getting what now is like four miles an hour to 35 miles an hour. It's just this anchor that's holding us back. And somebody's like, well, we need the anchor. And like, no, we don't. We're a Honda Civic driving down the road. We don't need this anchor. So like that, that is really what this group of people and these personality disorders in general are to the rest of us. It's the evil version of when I say, between me and Brett Favre, we have a combined eight Super Bowl titles. You know, I don't know, I don't know what the real number <laughs> yeah. is, but it's like the evil right. version of that. Like, <laughs> they're doing all the work, not me. Yeah, well, an issue has been, unlike other mental disorders, unlike things like depression, which can still be a long-standing problem, we don't really have great treatment options when it comes to cluster B personality disorders. It's incredibly hard to treat people with these disorders, not least of which is they don't come in for treatment. Oftentimes, if somebody has depression, they either themselves or somebody else will refer them to treatment. They will come in and you know then treatment can be achieved. People with cluster B personality disorders don't think they have a problem. It's everybody else causing yes, exactly. everything in their fucking life. Everything. Yes. They're not the problem. Everybody else is a rube or an idiot or something else, but they do not have a problem. And and to get to the point where you can get somebody who's very far on the spectrum to admit that they even have a problem or that it is a problem or blah, blah, blah is very, very difficult. And we're, in fact, we're going to actually talk about some of the surprising findings in this particular study. But there are interventions we've seen that can affect the big five personality traits. We've talked about this before, conscientiousness, agreeableness. So these five personality traits can kind of be nudged either way by certain types of interventions. So they wondered what would happen if you worked on agreeableness because people with these disorders are, are noticeably low in agreeableness. What if we worked on agreeableness and was able to boost it up? Would that then impact these other factors? And so they did. They did some interventions which had previously been shown to increase agreeableness. Things like having the person donate money to charity that they would otherwise spend on themselves or having them talk to a stranger and ask that stranger about themselves. Keep in mind, that may sound like, wait, why is that such a big deal? People with cluster B personality disorders, if they are talking, they are talking about themselves, or if they're talking to you, it's to get information that they personally can use later on. Is it like they would walk up and you have to ask them something like, like they would ask, like, like, let's just say I'm Bobby the psychopath. Would I walk up uh -huh. to a stranger and be like, Hey, are you part of a science comedy podcast? And they'd wait for their answer and then be like, Oh, because I am it's, you know, the question is really just a way to bring you up. Yeah, I don't even think there would be that lead-in. Yeah, so, so the idea was to do these types of interventions and see if they had overall effects on those Machiavellian scores or those dark triad scores. And it turns out that they did. So this is really interesting. It had an end number of near 500, so it wasn't huge, and we need to redo stuff just to check, but still enough to be significant. And what it showed was that these interventions spaced over time obviously pushed agreeableness forward, but they also lessened those dark triad, triad traits. And it gets even more interesting, because not only did it lessen those traits for those involved, but 
many of those involved, as is typical of people with these disorders, actually wanted to, when interviewed, increase their dark triad traits. So they basically took these personality tests, they scored super, super high on these ends, and then researchers asked them, hey, it looks like you have these personality features uh, that are synonymous with narcissism and everything. They probably actually listed the personality features themselves. Would you like to fix these? And most of them said, no, 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 no. I want to make that callousness more pronounced. I don't want to fix that. That is a feature, <laughs> not a bug. Yeah, sometimes I don't feel narcissistic enough, even though I'm the sexiest man in this state with the biggest penis in the hemisphere. Sometimes when I'm thinking about myself, I also think about how other people think about me. And during that time, I'd rather just be thinking about myself. <laughs> I know I'm just kind of scratching the fence post of, of empathy, and I don't want that. Those are losers, and I don't need to know their perspective. This is the most interesting part to me personally, knowing the background of a lot of these types of interventionalist research, because it suggests that even those people who do not see any problem with it, in fact, they don't want to fix their dark triad traits, they want to actually increase some of those dark triad traits, it even works on them, which indicates you don't have to have an intention of it to be successful for it to work. In fact, you could not want it to be successful for this to work, and to me, that is fucking amazing because I have said this about like stupid people before and this sounds super conceited, I know, but it's also true, which is somebody what I, this came out in an argument online when somebody said uh, you shouldn't be trying to trick people into doing something just because you think it's right. And I was like, no, that's exactly what we do with stupid people like that. That's literally how we get you guys to do things is we just trick you like it, it, it is for the better good if we can get you to do the right thing and whether or not you choose to do the right thing. If you're an asshole, who cares whether or not you choose something? I don't give a shit about that. I give a shit about the outcome. So like if if you're pouring motor oil down the dorm drain and you don't want to be told not to do it because you screw somebody else imposing it on you, fuck you. Like I, I don't care how you feel about it. I care about you not pouring motor oil down. And so to me... Now, that's ridiculous, Bobby. It's not like somebody, I don't know, refused to wear a mask during a fucking global yes. pandemic or something. By the way, tricking stupid people, can you imagine if we like if we did it all over again? Like, come get your America vaccine and get a free American flag. Like, you, we could have tricked a lot of people. I, I absolutely am wholeheartedly behind tricking dumb people into doing things that are for the better good. Um, and if you're too dumb to make the right decision, then I don't know that your choice is that meaningful. And I don't know that any individual choice is that meaningful. Again, you bring up the vaccine thing. It's a binary choice. You either get it or you don't. And except for those people with specific medical conditions, if you're choosing not to in almost all circumstances, I guess if you're in North Dakota someplace on a ranch, you don't see people who cares. But in almost all circumstances, you are making an in correct, selfish choice, and all that proves is you shouldn't be making your own choices. There is nothing wrong with tricking you into making the right choice. The same thing I think is true of this. If we can see these people who are exhibiting dark triad qualities, let's start doing some type of intervention that pushes their agreeableness levels up so that we can mitigate the damage that cluster B personality disorders cause in our society. I'm going to take a step back here, Bobby, to the pandemic. If we could have done it differently, I would have had Monday night vaccinations, had Hank Williams Jr. do a song about it. Are you ready for some vaccines? Yeah, I think you go 
you double down on this idea and you actually have the Dixie chicks come out as anti-vaxxers and tell ev- and like then loudly proclaim, come be liberals like us and don't get your shot. Fuck Texas. Yeah. Uh, you know, there never was an apology. They came out against the Iraq war commonly regarded 20 years later as one of the biggest foreign policy blunders. You know, it was kind of sure. like it was, um, you know, we were Russia and Iraq was Ukraine just, you know, I suppose it was a little more palatable to the world, but there were never like yeah the, the Dixie Chicks, who by the way are now just called the Chicks. They've dropped the Dixie. Uh, you know the the, the Southern states never never uh, never signed that apology letter to the Chicks. Yeah, Damien, uh, for I don't know that that's super accurate that you're referring to the Iraq War is uh, one of the biggest. Uh, political mistakes of all time because that seemingly ignores a uh, certain president who thought that a tan suit would be appropriate to wear. It was coming off his I put mustard on my hot dog scandal and we just as a nation couldn't take that. Oh, dear. Super, super interesting. I love things like this that might show us what the future holds if we work towards it. Because again, think about this. Like if you're interviewing somebody 50 years ago and you're like, What's going on? They're like, I don't know what's wrong with this person. So we just like shove an egg whisk up their nose, take out part of their brain, pull it out. And they're pretty docile after that. And you're like, no, no, no. We have medications now. We can really, really help you. This doesn't have to be a terminal sentence. That might be the future of these type of personality disorders. We might be able to intervene. Maybe we intervene early enough, often enough, whatever it is with the right interventions. We might be able to take this thing that is one of the biggest anchors on this Honda Civic we call a society and get rid of it. You see, I I'm I personally believe that uh, uh, if you're a psychologist or a psychiatrist, then maybe there we we uh, we up. I mean, maybe we help the nation by upping uh, what we contribute to mental health. And so everybody's mm-hmm. getting these mental health screenings, and everybody thinks it's free. But every psychologist basically is like, um, uh, you know, the it's, it's like Blade Runner where they're testing a robot to see if uh, somebody's a robot. And uh, and if they're a robot, they have to put him down right there on the spot. Like, I think that's the way, I think that's better than any medication or any treatment. If we just put down the psychopath. Listen, we have a lot of, we could be spending these resources on cancer patients, on even a a sick puppy. Yeah, but the problem is we made the non-psychopath take out the psychopath as part of, like, the test. And now they are pushing themselves towards psychopathology. Yeah, that's kind of the, like, we can't trust a psychopath to take these guys out. (laughs) Dexter doesn't exist in real life. Trust me. Oh, dear. Let's move right on to article number two. How are black suicides going unnoticed? Yeah, I agree. I was reading Jet Magazine recently uh, <laughs> uh, because I thought it was an aviation enthusiast article. And and I, I have to agree. The mainstream meet only Jet Magazine. Infowars the only ones talking about this, 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 uh, this, uh, this uh, uh, black suicides because the mainstream media doesn't want you to know that they're being seduced by frogs and killing themselves afterwards. <laughs> So, super interesting. There are some startling suicide differences between black and white Americans. In fact, in some studies, the black suicide rate is about 30% of the white suicide rate. Isn't that fucking crazy? Uh, No, that's not crazy at all. That's completely predictable. Poverty uh, is super unhealthy. I'm willing to bet you'd find a ton of negative health side effects when you when you look at black Americans versus white Americans. That's what I mean. Shouldn't that make it three times higher? This is what I'm saying. It is the black suicide rate is one third that of white Americans. Yeah, because maybe they're just like, listen, life is hard. Like, get used to it. White. Oh, you're being treated bad, white person. 
Oh, where? I, I have heard that as an actual response. So so this has been a longstanding thing. We have known this for a long time. Black suicide rate is much, much lower. It's true of different minority groups too. Not all of them, but but different ones as well. And the, the reasoning has always been, well, if you grow up in a very hard day-to-day struggle, the idea of offing yourself might seem... It's almost like a sunk cost fallacy. Like, I put so much into this. Why would I do it? Now, to me, that has always been a very weird answer. Because, like, people who tend to commit suicide also tend to be having a lot of trouble. And they're not necessarily having the greatest time in their life. So if you had a whole bunch of poverty and a a bunch of racism and stuff, shouldn't that increase the chances of suicide? To me, especially because poverty does seem to be usually in white culture positively correlated with low income it does seem like those numbers should be flipped what if it's i mean honestly uh, i mean this isn't a joke what if it's just that if you grow up as a black person in america you you grow up with the hardships you grow up knowing that life mm-hmm. sucks that things are unfair you know maybe a lot of suicide happens you know for people when they grow up and realize that like things aren't fair sure and like you know, I was supposed to be happy, whereas like the the, the other guy was like, yeah, I'm, yeah, this this country fights for me not to be happy. I have to find it myself. Yeah, there's been all these explanations that I've heard before. Some have pointed out that black communities tend to be more religious and it could be that issue, except the suicide thing holds even even in religious white communities. What about what about Latino? Like 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 a Catholic uh, Latinx lower. Yeah, much lower, much lower than than the, them, and 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 that is also different family dynamics and that kind of thing. But there, the explanation has been given, kind of like what you're saying too, is that <laughs> kind of the, a way a professor has put it to me before is like, well, if you're a white person and then you're you find yourself to be a failure, you really have nobody to blame but yourself, <laughs> and so you get really sad and despondent and you shoot yourself. Whereas if you're a black person, you can be at least be like, oh fuck that dude, it's it's a lot. That guy didn't hire me. It's a lot of his fault, so you can keep going on. Who knows? But there has been these kind of explanations for a long time. And it turns out, an art- very, very interesting article in Scientific American this week suggests that it might actually be an artificial dichotomy, or at least artificially inflated dichotomy, created by the likelihood of an official to rule a black death a suicide versus a white death. If a black guy you know, winds up dead, they're like, he has pornographic magazine and a necktie around his neck in a closet. He clearly was part of a, of a sexual strangle murder, whereas if a white guy gets shot 12 times, this is clearly a suicide by firearm. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, it's more like a lot of times there is less information in reports of lower income people and the people of color, meaning that that person, the coroner, the person who's making the determination doesn't have all of the same information. And oftentimes deaths get called, get declared unknown or undeclared reason for death in the cases of people of color, as opposed to white people. And sometimes this has a basis in the racial bias of what's going on. You come inside a room, you find a dead white guy, you ju- uh, and the sil- telltale signs of suicide, you think it's a suicide. Oftentimes, given the exact same information with the exact same injuries to the, the person, a coroner might rule a death uh, of a person of color as undeclared or unintentional as the result of something to do with drugs or alcohol or something else. So there's an inherent bias towards looking at the same information and determining, oh, well, this white person clearly killed themselves because they were intentionally trying to do this. They must have been sad, blah, blah, blah. Whereas this black person, they were just they were just not being smart and did something dumb and took too many drugs. What if the black person kills themselves in just cooler ways and the nerdy ass white, (laughs) you know, coroner 
Just, uh, oh, well, I don't know what a molly is, but uh, it's uh, like if a black guy killed himself bungee jumping, like like he set out to do this, you know, like I'm I'm ending it. Yeah. And I'm, and, you know, like it would be ruled an accident. Whereas, you know, the Marine veteran who kills himself with a firearm. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and you bring up a good point. Firearms tend to be a main way of males to commit suicide. There is much bigger firearm, de facto, firearm restrictions on black males because of felony restrictions in many, many states. And therefore, oftentimes, black males may choose to take their life by something like a drug overdose. And drug overdoses are are almost never categorized as intentional suicides, even though they often are, they're just categorized as an accidental death. And oh, so we did fentanyl. There was fentanyl in the cocaine. Like, yeah, exactly. But he knew yeah, there yeah. was fentanyl. Yeah, and so oftentimes these are. It's, this is very interesting to me because I think this is really important to point out. Now, we might find out that there is a difference, and there almost certainly will be a difference between black suicide rates and white suicide rates, but it does not seem like the one to three ratio is anywhere near true. And we have to look at the implicit biases and racism and, and ideas that we put forward that make us make these mistakes. But it's important for reasons like having awareness in the black community about suicide and suicide helplines, having more resources in the black community, having open communication and dialogues about it, because we know that it might actually be a much bigger problem than the numbers suggest. And then we can look at how to actually fix the problem, meaning investigating it thoroughly, funding it appropriately, making sure that if you are a, a suicide helpline, you have people who you know have experience being a, a person of color on the other end so that they can help out. Regardless, super, super interesting and this might be one of those things that show us just what exactly is going on in terms of demographic information. And it, old science motto, garbage in, garbage out. And so if it turns out that the information coming in, that these suicide rates are three times it, that's garbage information. And the garbage explanations about, you know, differences and whatever differences in being sad because of racism or not being sad because of racism are all BS. And it's good for us to know that because then we can try and fix it. What if this actually works out better for uh, for black people in America or black people in general who commit suicide? You know, like uh, like I, I, Bobby, you grew up Catholic as just as I did. You, in, in our religion, suicide is a sin, right? Yeah. Uh, so you know, you kill yourself. Doesn't matter how pious you were, you go to hell. Whereas, like you know, if the coroner just writes, you know, uh, drug overdose, maybe the black guy he gets into heaven. Like he shows up at the pearly gates. Hey, did it say suicide on this death certificate? Let me in those pearly gates. Ah, uh, heaven and their loopholes. All right, thank you, audience, for coming back for Science Faction 614, where you learned all about how to change the dark triad and how black suicides are probably going unnoticed. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 615. I'm going to be honest with you. Alex Jones is, is a strong man, but he has attempted suicide. Yeah, that's right. How did I know the frogs were gay? Because there's a video of me with the frogs being gay. And somebody threatened to release the video, and old Alex Jones and his rifle didn't take it too well. Sandy Hook, Sandy Hook, Baba Booey. You've been listening to Science Fiction. Wait, that's not right.